As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. You didn't even drop the line that you just talked about. Come on. We you gotta waiting. do it now. Do what now? Come on. You know. No, that you're a long time listener. First time. Come on. Oh, jeez. I'm so bad at this. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 147 of the Professional Book Nerds podcast presented by Overdrive. This is Adam, and I'm joined by Joe. Joe, what's going on? Not much. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm excited for this episode. It's a good one. Yeah, so tell everyone what we did, because I was not a part of this one. You were not a part of it. Um, Although Sarah asked where you were, Sarah's like, is Adam not joining us? (laughs) Well, it makes me happy. Uh, we, uh, by we, I mean me and three of our colleagues talked science fiction books. Yes. For an episode, and it was a lot of fun. Yeah. And you noticed something really cool about the authors that you guys talked about after the fact when you were, when you were reviewing everything. Correct. So sometimes I take notes while recording, sometimes I don't. And so this was one where I didn't. And when I was putting together the show notes, I realized that more than half of the authors that we talk about are women writers of science fiction. That that's I told you via our inner office I am tool that I thought that was really cool because there seems to be there's a lot of misconceptions when it comes to to reading and writing and things like that. And I think one of them is that women don't write science fiction, which is completely false. So I got really excited to see this list because it is mostly women. And what I thought was really cool, and it wasn't like it was just all girls that were in the room talking. Like there was at least one, two. One. No, we had one. Yeah, there was a male in there. So yeah, that just made me, it makes me really happy. I love when we rant, you know, not even on purpose, but kind of like can break down some stereotypes. It makes me happy. Yes. I'm very excited for this episode. Um, just so people kind of get a, a peek behind the curtain. So like we talked about, I think a few weeks ago, we're trying to do more genre episodes because people seem to really enjoy them. And the reason that you're going to hear like Jill or I in a lot of these is at Overdrive, we're very fortunate. We hire lots of people all the time because we're a growing company. And we sent out emails recently asking the whole company, like, hey, who wants to be on the podcast because of the hundreds of people who work here? Lots of people are readers. It makes sense. We're a, a book-ish company. Um, we got an amazing number of responses. We did. And we also, not only did we get a bunch of people saying they wanted to come on, but there was all sorts of different genres that were brought up. So 
we have access in our recording studio to have four people on a podcast at a time. So in the circumstances where we have three different people that want to talk about like science fiction, for example, you and I thought we could take our workload down a little bit by kind of going back and forth. Correct. So we'll still be on episodes together very, very often, but that's why it's we're not feuding or anything. No. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a space, space issue. Space issue. We can't fit everybody. Plus, I feel like if we have too many people, it gets hard to decipher voices. Yeah, five so. would be very hard. Five would be very That'd be difficult. overwhelming. It would. So, um, but yeah, I I think people are really going to like this. Science fiction is a, an awesome genre that I am very, very into. So I got a, I'm going to get a bunch of book recommendations out of this for sure. Uh, if you are enjoying what you're hearing or if you just want to respond to this podcast or anything at all and you want to contact us, you can email us at professionalbooknerds at overdrive.com or you can tweet at us at probooknerds. Um, let us know some of your favorite science fiction books. We get I love get hearing people tell us what they are reading. That makes me super happy. So, yeah. Anything else you can think of for this one? I think that's it. Awesome. Well, enjoy all these science fiction picks and at least one new voice in the room on this episode of the professional book nerds podcast hi everyone and welcome to this week's episode of the professional book nerds podcast presented by overdrive this is jill and we are talking science fiction today and i'm joined by a whole bunch of my colleagues um hi everybody hi hey yo good afternoon so what I'm going to have you do is, because some of you have not ever been on before, or you, it's been a while, just I'm going to have you guys go around and just introduce yourselves so our listeners can identify a name with a voice. So, Sarah, do you want to start? Yeah. I'm Sarah. I work in marketing, and I've been on the podcast twice before. Sounds right. You're up next. I'm Bob. I'm on the product team at Overdrive. I love sci-fi. <laughs> Hi, Rachel. Hey, Jill. So, yeah, Rachel, collection development uh, analyst here. I've been on a few times before. Excited to be back. So, yeah, so we're talking sci-fi. It seems fitting that we just had the eclipse on the day we're recording. Mm-hmm. Very cool. It's very cool. Yeah. Did you get a chance to watch? did. Yes. I did. With glasses. It was very, I almost didn't get a chance, and then somebody let me borrow their glasses. So that was very nice. My only job today was to cancel the meeting in the <laughs> afternoon to allow everyone in the meeting to look at the eclipse. That's awesome. That's nice. I'm a good corporate citizen. Yes, you are. <laughs> yeah, I was outside sharing a pair of glasses with a couple other people singing uh, Bonnie Tyler. So it was overall <laughs> a fantastic experience. Uh, and we all made wishes. Oh, that's it was, cool. it was fun. That's not really I good think idea. about that. It was good. I didn't either. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Well, seven years is the next one, and yep. we are in the path of totality. So 2024. I'll be ready this time. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> now. I, and I, I, I could. I could just order them well. on Amazon right just now. Just order them and on, save them. And save the yeah, my years. thoughts are with all of the librarians listening. Oh God, yeah. God bless you yes. for fielding all of those calls. You brave souls. You brave souls. You're doing God's work, <laughs> and we love you. <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, so sci-fi. Um, what's everybody re- been reading? As I stumble over my words. So much stuff. (laughs) Yeah. Anything in particular? I actually just finished um, an arc this weekend. I got it here. Um, I thought it was going to be sci-fi. 
It sounded sci-fi. It's listed sci-fi. It was not actually. <laughs> not really? Sci-fi. It was really actually sadly boring. Oh. It was like this girl was like, uh, it's called um, Dare Mighty Things. And it's a good book, but it's just not sci-fi. Um, it's, she's like doing this competition to be in the space program. And it's all about the competition and the program. And they never actually go to space. Kind of disappointing, <laughs> but just the mention of space. Maybe they're yeah, like sci-fi. Like, there's space involved. There, I mean, like the the highlight is like these simulations that they do, but in the desert. But it's not. There's not actually any space or even spaceships or anything. It's just all this isolated competition that they're in well, to win the right to do this thing. And it was really sad that it never got to that point. But anyway, that's <laughs> yeah. Brief aside. <laughs> Bob, what have you been reading? I recently wrapped up reading Hyperion by Dan Simmons. Okay. Uh, it was not at all what I expected. It was very enjoyable, uh, but it was sort of a collection of short stories following each of uh, seven or eight different characters. Nice. Uh, it was weird. <laughs> it was weird. Uh, at first, uh, I thought it would be really, really heavy sci-fi, and I thought the plot would follow a predictable path. It was not at all what I expected. So mm. it was refreshing and different. It won a bunch of awards, so I thought I'd give it a try. So what kind of sci-fi do you like to read? Do you go for the hard sci-fi, the sort of softer sci-fi? I like a mix. I like a lot of outer space sci-fi. Mm-hmm. I mean, for some people, it's not sci-fi if it doesn't happen in space. Uh, but I, I like a good mix of them. I love you know, some of what Andy Weir's done. You know, The Martian, of course, is a big deal. Uh, but also some of the more casual uh, sci-fi where it's just imaginative and you, you're willing to suspend disbelief is, is great with me as well. Okay. Rachel? Uh, as far as what I'm reading now, the wonderful people at Penguin Random House were angels and graciously gifted me an advanced reading copy of Artemis, the new Andy Weir novel that's coming out on November 11th. And I'm about halfway through its and I love it so far. I was obsessed with The Martian when it came out a few years ago. I read it as when he first self-published it, so I felt very connected to it. <laughs> I was like, I liked it before. It was cool. That never happens to me. <laughs> never happens to me. So I was really excited about, you know, watching it go from being a self-published book to, you know, a famous movie. And, you know, my husband used to, you know, laugh at me because I watched the movie like nine times when it was <laughs> added on HBO every I time every time we yeah. come downstairs you'd be like oh we're watching The Martian again great are you going to cry again <laughs> and I'm like no yes. and then of course I would so I had pretty high expectations for Artemis because in my mind I was like there's no way it's going to be as good there's no way but so far it is I've been really impressed with it um, for those of you who weren't aware of this it's a, a heist story set on the moon Artemis is the first and only city on the moon, and it's the story of a girl named Jazz who's a smuggler. And I think that's about all I can say, really. (laughs) But I think that's all you need to know. (laughs) It takes place on the moon, the first city on the moon, and, you know, it's mostly, like, uh, rich tourists that are there and, like, uh, you know, eccentric billionaire-type people that live there and visit there, and then there are the people that work there, and Jazz is one of them. And, you know, it's Andy Weir, so it's great, it's great writing, and 
all of the characters have wonderful personalities, and it's a you know fast-paced, exciting storyline. It was very fitting that I you know read it around eclipse time because the cover of the book is actually a picture of an eclipse. Mm-hmm. So it was a really great experience so far. I think I'm going to go home and finish it tonight. So I'll report back, and I'm yeah. interested to see how this one does. I think it's going to do really well. I think everyone's going to like it. If you like The Martian, you'll like it. It's kind of got the same dry humor that I loved about it so much and and a lot of the same like scientific facts like the way he describes the city on the moon is how I would actually picture a city on the moon being you know in the moderately near future so yeah it's good forgive me while I nerd out a little bit yeah. here is it in a <laughs> dome or have they terraformed the moon is it a dome <laughs> that's a fair question mm-hmm. right. but there's like there's different um there's actually, he actually provides a nice little map in the beginning of the book. And oh, there's nice. like different like quadrants. I think quadrants, I think he calls them. So yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. I'll let you uh, borrow the arc when I'm done with All it. All right. <laughs> See, perks of being on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, I tried reading The Martian. It was a little too science heavy mm-hmm. for me. Is this the same kind, like same level? Um, I'm not sure yet. Okay. Because I'm like I said, I'm about halfway done with it, so we're kind of at the point now where like we're starting to get into a lot of stuff. Okay, <laughs> but it's no, it's not super science heavy. I mean, okay. it's um, you know, obviously it is a sci- sci-fi sure. book written by scientists, so there is some. But I personally didn't think the I really enjoyed the science, you know, aspects of that, and I normally don't okay. get into that sort of thing. I think it was Andy Weir's writing that brought me to it, so I might be a little blind to that but i think probably worth checking out it's a quick read so far especially i love heist books so yeah (laughs) that might be enough and jazz is a really interesting character so far i'm really liking her i think it's interesting to see him writing the perspective of a female because the martian was basically mark watney the entire time and this one's all female so it's he writes a good female character which i was a little apprehensive of sometimes you never know but he's doing he's knocking it out of the park so far i'm excited to report back after i finish it well, speaking of the science-y, I know this is like 2015 it came out, but did anybody read Seven Eves? Neil Stevenson? It's on high on my list to be read. Yeah. I've heard of it, and I'm I, somewhat familiar with it. I read almost all of it. <laughs> <laughs> I got, it disappears, you know, it disappears out of your, out of your queue, and then you can't get it back because it's on hold again. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's very very technical like right like rocket propulsion system descriptions and just mm-hmm. crazy sciency if you're into the sciency super technical part of it that is definitely a good one and what's it about um it's kind of like a doomsday thing that happens like the the moon kind of blows up but it's into seven different pieces like with seven big pieces um and a lot of little itty bitty pieces and the little itty bitty pieces are actually expected to crash into earth and create a mass extinction event so they're sending people out to one of the bigger chunks of the what's left of the moon to try to colonize it i guess um they're terraforming so well there's domes at first but then terraforming and um it's kind of like there's this one of there i mean there are like dozens of main characters it's told from a lot of different perspectives but one of the main characters is very obviously supposed to be Neil Tyson. <laughs> very, <laughs> very obvious. I mean, he's not like, you know, almost the same 
exact person. One of the other characters is very obviously supposed to be Elon Musk. <laughs> so it's just, it's kind of neat because they, he obviously took, you know, inspiration from some people who are into space exploration and turned it into a really cool story. And that's like the majority of the book is that part of it. Like what happens right after the moon explodes and what happens 10 years after the moon explodes. And then it like jumps forward actually to 5,000 years from then. And that's the part where it got really mind boggling for me because it's very difficult to stay with the story after all the people that you've just been reading about for the last 500 pages are 5,000 years dead. And now you're in this weird world that's not Earth, but is like a bunch of terraformed chunks of dead moon. <laughs> weird and strange. But that's about where I that's about where I got, you know, my my loan expired and then it got put back in rotation so I didn't get to finish. But it was very um very technical and hard to get into, but once you got into it, it was like carried you off and things. Mm-hmm. Every time uh, I hear about time traveling or, or time passing that far, mm-hmm. 5,000 years in the future, I expect Charlton Heston is going to land on Earth <laughs> and maybe be very upset about what's happened with the apes. Uh, uh, spoiler alert. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's always interesting how science fiction books come in different forms regarding the technical, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. just like the super technical ones and then the ones that are a little more light. Yeah, I normally shy really far away from the technical ones and lean towards more of the like dystopian post-apocalyptic mm-hmm. type. So there's actually one book coming out in uh, a couple weeks on September 5th that I'm really excited to read. Um, it's called The Salt Line by Holly Goddard-Jones. And it got a starred review in Kirkus, which Kirkus is usually my go-to for good, <laughs> for good reviews. And they're touting it as The Hunger Games meets The Godfather with female characters. What? So that's an automatic that I'm going to read it. And apparently it's like a post-apocalyptic story about, you know, in an unspecified future, the U.S. border is receded behind a a salt line that protects citizens from disease-carrying ticks. And everybody lives in these, like, safe zones. But then there are these, like, adrenaline junkies that try to, like, jump the salt line. I guess that's, like, a thing in the book. (laughs) And, I don't know, it sounds really good. I liked Holly Gutter Jones' last book, so this seems um, kind of like a literary sci-fi, What I, is probably what I would say my favorite kind of sci-fi is. So that's what I'm looking forward to. I haven't um, I've been reading a lot of nonfiction this year in general, so I haven't read that much sci-fi, so I'm excited to hunker down this fall and get back into some. Speaking of dystopian, one that she had recommended to me maybe a year ago, six months ago was the last oh, one. Oh, the last one. Yes. <laughs> that was, oh. yeah, you were sitting in the cube across from me and that was one of those, I read it in like a night and I came into work and I was like, I have to tell somebody about this book <laughs> I just read. I have to tell everyone I know about it. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, uh, <laughs> so it's about this, um, this character, uh, called Zoo, um, and she's part of a reality show where it's kind of like Survivor where they're out, you have to kind of forage and survive and uh what they don't know is that outside of their sort of filming thing is that there's a um pandemic that happens and 
people are dead, but the people on the show don't know that. <laughs> yeah, they think they're like all the dead they bodies. Think they're they like think they're like elaborate props. Yeah, so they don't realize that the world is like ending around them. They think they're still on they're this still, show, the show, and then it's like the most intense reality show ever. Wow. So yeah, so like this is so all good. happening live. I mean, you know, yeah. like people like it's being it's being filmed and then aired sort of in the same week. And so there's people outside who, I mean, it's interesting how she kind of plays with format because you have these chapters that are basically Reddit discussions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> people who are watching the TV show and then all the, it's, it was really good. Um, and I almost want to, I feel like she probably must have worked on a reality TV show because. <laughs> yeah, that was the impression I got. Or or maybe she had even like been, been on, on it. One. Yeah, because it, I'm like, oh no, this make, this is totally how this works, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I mean, I admittedly watch a lot of reality TV. And so yeah. <laughs> that element of it was totally believable. But yeah, just going to these homes and thinking that these dead bodies are props that have just been like laid out by the, the cast or like the crew or yeah. that. Other think cast. the smell would give it away. <laughs> well, yeah, or she even it's says terrifying. stuff like that. She's like, man, these these props are so realistic. Yeah. I mean, their production budget must have been yeah. insane. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> little does she know, the world around her is crumbling. Yeah, cause, I mean, because, like, you have to think about it. Like, if you're in that experience, like, it would not occur to you that there are really dead people, like, that no. the whole world... <laughs> Yeah, and then, like, and, and and you hear stories about, like, you know, people around The Bachelor saying, like, you know, oh, it was so hard because I couldn't have my phone. I didn't know anything that was going on. They're, they are completely cut off from the rest of the world. Yeah. So, theoretically, anything could happen. And yeah, no and idea. you have no idea. They'd be, like, the few people. Yeah. That don't know. <laughs> I know. So, well, yeah. Heaven help us. Yeah. <laughs> All we have right. is The Bachelor. That would be pretty sad. <laughs> yes, the, the only survivors. The TV <laughs> contestants. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> From what I hear, their relationships generally don't work out long term, so the species may be doomed. That's, yep. Well, wow, that's true. Great. That's great. <laughs> yeah, so I'm a fan of the dystopian. Listen mm-hmm. to this sort of sci-fi well. I read. Did anybody read the Red Rising series? Uh, I read the first two books. Did you? You didn't read Morningstar? No, because it was always on hold. <laughs> yeah, I think it came in it. on a time when I had too many things to read, and it yeah. just... Oh, it was. I loved it though. It was so I good. I think it's a nice crossover between kind of like YA dystopian mm-hmm. and sci-fi. Yeah, it's got elements of everything. Yeah, really that was it. one I was waiting for the last book to come out so I could binge read all three of them and just haven't gotten around to it. But did yeah. you know he's got a book coming out in January? I did. I'm yeah. very excited about it. Actually, I've joined a few contests hoping mm-hmm. to get an advanced copy, but it hasn't happened. I don't but think I knew that. What is it? The new one about? It's Anybody called know? Iron Gold. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's set in the same universe, and I think it's got a couple of cameos by other characters okay. in the trilogy, but it's mainly about different people, oh. is what I've heard. Okay. Yeah, that's the, really the only thing I've heard is that yeah. it's set in the same universe. I know that the, the, the Red Rising series of the trilogy has been optioned for a film adaptation, mm-hmm. and he, I know Pierce Brown wrote uh, the first and second draft for those, but I don't think it's been greenlighted yet. So it's not actually in production; it's still in development. But I seriously fangirled when I heard that news <laughs> because, of course, everybody wants to see the film adaptation. Yeah, mm-hmm. just so even if it's just so that they can complain about how it's not like the book. <laughs> sure. Yeah. No, that was a good series. Yeah, it's really fantastic. It's like Count of Monte Cristo meets Lawrence of Arabia in space. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, it's it's really neat. Yeah, have it's you like, read it, Bob? Uh, no, I've not read the Red Rising series. My I wife highly read them. recommend. She it. thought they were pretty good. Yeah, 
Uh, so I have them in my my list. So many books. I know. Too little time. <laughs> and I I typically listen to audiobooks. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a I'm a commute audiobook listener, mm-hmm. and so. Um, I can't. I, I typically don't power through one book in a weekend because I look for books that are ten or twenty or forty hours long, and there's really not that much time. So yeah. knock out one or two a month is pretty good. Yeah, pretty good. Well, that's like sci-fi books are usually mm-hmm. good for that. You get some good long sci. So, w- what do you look for in an audiobook? Because sometimes I'll start listening to a, an audiobook and I'm like, no, this is not going to work for me, and I have to read it. But is there something? Like when you're listening to an audiobook, they're like, "Yes, this is how I want to dedicate the next forty hours of my life." <laughs> Typically, if the book has come highly recommended, I will always tough out the beginning of the audiobook. Different narrators mm-hmm. are always tough to get used to, but if you spend a little bit of time with them, usually you'll grow accustomed to their style. And if it's a single narrator or an ensemble cast, usually I adapt uh, the Martian. Uh, audiobook was fantastic, one of the best I've ever heard. Yeah. And so uh, that was actually how I got turned on to The Martian was I heard that it won so many awards. Uh, the audiobook specifically did. So uh, lots and lots of great ones out there, though. I will say um, I'm not a big fan of Will Wheaton. <gasps> I can't talk to you anymore. <laughs> <laughs> that is a very unpopular opinion, but I have to agree. Yeah. What? I think he's I all do. right, I'm but sorry. As, as a narrator, I... I can I can see him talking in my mind, and I want to just say, mm-hmm. "Shut up, Wesley." <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, when you frame say. it that way, <laughs> I, yeah, I have a really hard time following any audiobook if I don't like the narrator. Yeah. Even like halfway through the book, I'll try to give it a chance. But if I don't like the narrator initially, I will just stop and go to an ebook because I can't. I can't deal. Like, it annoys me, so I can't get through it. That's why I always sample audiobooks before checking yeah. them out. If I could just get Morgan Freeman to read every audiobook ever, I think I'd be fine. But, of course, that's, you know, a pipe dream. I feel I like enjoy. if there's dialogue, it's mm-hmm. hard. It's, if it's not an ensemble, if it's just one narrator. Yeah. And it's there's a lot of dialogue in the book, it really throws me off because I don't like it if a narrator can't. They have clearly, to be able to do the yeah. Voices. If they cannot yeah. clearly distinguish between the difference yeah. between one person talking and the other, then it just gets really confusing. Yeah, they have to be able to do the voices. Anyone else? Any other science fiction books people want to talk about? There's lots of good stuff out there. Um, I have a whole list. Please, I don't. I don't want. I don't want to monopolize. No, those. that's why we're here. To I talk have about sci-fi. I have one that I really loved. That is kind of a sci-fi fantasy crossover. I guess. Okay. It's called The Fifth Season by N.K. Jemison. Yes. She uh, is. 2015 um she won a hugo for it and she's the first female african-american to be honored with a hugo so that's kind of cool um and it's supposed to be adapted into a tnt series also it's very very exciting yeah the (laughs) third one just came out and i think that won a hugo as well yeah 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 i really really loved it it's like this it's kind of unclear whether it's like hundreds of thousands of years in the future or if it's like an alternate universe. You kind of can't tell by the way that she's writing it. But um, there are these like frequent catastrophic geological events that kind of screw up the earth. And some of them result in mass extinction events. And the in, be- in between those big events, they call it the stillness. And that's kind of the world that they live in. And it's really cool. There are these people called origins and they have this power to shape kind of the environment around them it's kind of this innate thing so they can help contain disasters but they can also accidentally create them if they don't know what they're doing 
and they're kind of this like enslaved ostracized people they get hunted down by the government at a young age and if they can be trained then they are but if they can't be then they're just basically destroyed Mm. so it's got a lot of like controversial social issues going on in there um but also kind of like a a weird big sci-fi feel because they're you know there's all this advanced technology going on and there's genetic engineering going on and they're like forcing these people to kind of procreate with other specific people depending on their powers so that they can have offspring that are very powerful um but also enslaved so it's kind of sad in that way but it's it's one of these books that's got this sciencey technical feel to it but also something i feel like is very rare for this genre is that it's very full of prose it's mm-hmm. very beautifully written and it's very kind of this got this melancholy tone to it that's kind of like beautiful and exciting but also very sad um so it, i think it's indescribably like unique because of that it's like out of this world and um very human you know and and a cool thing about it is that the point of view kind of switches back and forth it's mainly third person omniscient but also kind of sometimes switches to first person to reveal a narrator and it not going to spoil anything for anybody but the narrator like when it does switch so that you realize when you realize who the narrator is it kind of changes the whole story for you because there's this person talking and all of a sudden you realize who it is and you're like oh my god that's that makes a big difference to the right. storyline, you know. So I just felt like it was kind of outstanding and unique in that it's like a really different take on sci-fi. So here's a question that I'm always interested in, in especially with like any genre. But uh, do you guys remember the first book you read that made you realize that you just love sci-fi as a genre? Anyone? Ender's Game. <gasps> Me too. That was yes. mine. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I get, like, totally nerd out about Ender's Game. <laughs> I think what? mine might have been a, a Wrinkle in Time. Wrinkle oh, in Time was going to be my answer. Love Madeline Lingle. <sighs> They're so good. The first time I read Ender's Game, I decided that it would shape the way I parent my children. Wow. I was only a teenager at the time, of course, but uh, I wanted to have Ender Wigan as my child. <laughs> the perfect Who child. wouldn't? <laughs> Understands delayed gratification, leads civilization <laughs> to victory, and then gets to fly in space forever while all of his family dies behind him. Oh. Happy faster than light travel, everyone. How's that working out for you? <laughs> yeah, if you figure out the delayed so gratification, <laughs> let, <laughs> let me know. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, I feel like, uh, like Rachel said, Wrinkle in Time was the first one I read that made me really interested, yeah. and I didn't. I just wanted to be Meg. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be. I still do. Be her. She. This. The Murray O'Keefe's were just this yeah. fantastic family. I feel like that's a theme in Madeline Engel's work. She's got all these fantastic families. You know, like. Um, I just wanted to be Meg. I just. I was just like just super <laughs> jealous of her life, uncle. and I wanted to be her despite all these terrible things that were happening, in her story to her family. But I. I loved that story, and I was so. I was so excited to read it, and then I read it, and I loved it, so I reread it about four times, and then decided that everybody should have a Mrs. Beast in their life, um, but that was probably the first one, yeah. Yeah, no, it was definitely Ender's Game for me. I just, I had not 
I just had never read anything like that before in my entire life. And I read a lot, but I just, that book really stuck with me and still does. And I still read it. And I've, I read, I didn't read the Bean series, but I read all of Ender's books. And um, it the was. The Bean series is very good. Is it? That's worth at least Ender's Shadow. <laughs> I know you don't have any other books to read. I don't. No, I don't have any other books to read at all. I don't have like a million on hold. And, uh, but I, I just, it was so inventive, I think is what it was. Just the way, you know, our, or Scott Card, like this world he built. And then knowing it's just a little kid, <laughs> I think is what it was. There's this kid doing this and I'm like, I want to be like that. <laughs> like I wanted to go to battle school <laughs> and just go just play video games or what is like yeah. simulations and in, you know, the their battles just seem like so much fun. Like, when I go to laser tag, I pretend that I'm in bed off school. The enemy's gate is down. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, the soundtrack for that film adaptation, I, I don't know about the film itself. I won't. I only saw part of it. But the soundtrack for that is amazing. I really love it. I feel like you could read the book and listen to the soundtrack, and it would match up really well. <laughs> Despite the fact that the movie is off base. <laughs> yeah, I don't really remember the music, because... The movie was anyway. <laughs> I was not a fan of the film. <laughs> the movies, the movies are always off base, though, right? Like, it's, it's a challenge. Has there ever been one that really nailed it on the head? I don't think there has been. Other than the Lord of the Rings, Wait, that's like, not ever? sci-fi. Okay, that's why, okay. sir. I'm sorry, but you are correct. And I, I agree. Thought the, I thought The Martian that, was good. Yes, I did not okay. like the book yeah. of The Martian, but I liked the movie a lot. So I don't know what that means. Although I have heard the audiobook is really good, so. Perhaps I should try the Martian audiobook. We don't have it, but I know. <laughs> By we, I mean Overdrive does not have it. <laughs> we personally. Oh, <laughs> uh, man. Uh, so, what's everybody else reading? Bob, did you have more on your list? I was going to ask if anyone has read Ancillary Justice by Anne Leckie. No. No. No, but I heard that was fantastic. So good. Recommended to me by Kristen. She's been on here before, Mm -hmm. I think, right? She has. She's fantastic, and she's recommended some of my favorite books to me in the last few years. So the series is awesome. If I could describe it, it would be uh, imagine some sort of all-knowing, all-powerful artificial intelligence is in control of a fleet of or individual uh, large capital ship like Battlestar Galactica. And you're, that's the character that you follow around, something that's in control of all kinds of different cameras and machinery and robots and things like that. Uh, it's very well done. Uh, there's some interesting use of pronouns, which is intentional. Uh, it's actually very confusing at the beginning. Uh, but Interesting how. It's fascinating. Uh, there's a uh, sort of a race or uh, empire of folks who don't really look at gender the same way and so a lot of like I found myself being challenged that it didn't really matter the character who we were talking about whether it was male or female but in my head I was still picturing uh, this person a a certain way Uh, but it was confusing sometimes it would go back and forth because uh, the AI or uh, people uh, within this race didn't really pay that much attention to it it wasn't as uh, valuable or important to them uh, so that was confusing, but you got used to it, and I appreciated it by the end. And uh, the I feel like purpose. I yeah. need to add this to my list. So who's the author? Anne Leckie. Anne Leckie. And she has another novel coming out in a couple months 
called Provenance. I think it's set in a similar universe, but it's not in it's not directly in the series. Oh, that sounds really good. So, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. That's have one idea on this podcast. When I'm recording, I'm like putting all these books on hold. Yeah, probably hear me typing. <laughs> and typing. I know. I have, I have to put this down. <laughs> <That's> all this. <laughs> typing in the background <laughs> as everyone's putting it all on hold. Yeah. Um, I had an old school kind of one I wanted to mention. Speaking of pronouns, it's called. Um, he, She, and It by Marge Piercy. It was written in 1991, so it's a little older, but um, it's this super interesting distant future where most people are cyborgs to some extent. They've got some kind of, you know, parts that aren't quite human. Um, and all races and all sexes are equal, but there's this weird caste system based on your intelligence. And there's like, you, you get assigned basically to some, I mean, corporations rule the world in this and, and you get assigned to some corporation and they basically decide your what your hairstyle is going to be and where you're going to live and what your job is going to be and all of that. And the main character um, quits her corporation after uh, her divorce where her corporation rules in favor of her ex-husband and they take away her son and they take away her home and they demote her. And she just, so she quits and she goes back to live where she grew up in this small little uh, Jewish town out in the middle of nowhere that does not belong to a corporation. Mm-hmm. And she meets a uh, android named Yod, who her like, I don't know, somebody that she knew when she was growing up, he's a scientist and he's friendly with her grandmother who raised her. And he built this android and this android is like 100% self-aware and has super human intelligence and strength, but cannot be distinguished from a human being at all. If you don't already know that he is an android, he cannot be distinguished from, from a human, and his name is Yod. And um, they give her a job, uh, because although Yod is this perfect specimen of an android, he lacks this human element where he just doesn't have people skills, kind of. So they kind of give her this job to take him along with her to events and things and you know community gatherings so that she can teach him kind of how to be a person almost but it's also kind of a secret because they don't want people to know that he's not a human because there are obvious consequences to that you know he's essentially an AI and so she her her name's Shira and um, she gets this job to, to help him and she ends up kind of taking him as a lover which has obvious controversial issues to it, you know, um, dealing with consent and things like that. So it's this really interesting, you know, obviously he's very self-aware and he considers himself to be a person, but does an android have rights? Mm -hmm. It's kind of a really, really interesting uh, look into that. And they go there. I mean, there's a storyline, obviously, centered around her and... um, what ends up happening with, you know, whether the community ends up finding out that he's not a human and there's, you know, controversy surrounding that as well, but it's just super, super interesting. And then behind all of that, there's this back parallel story uh, told by this woman's grandmother, um, whose name is Malka. And she's telling the story of the daughter of a Jewish rabbi in 1600s Prague who falls in love with a golem, golem, I don't know how to say that, but anyway, um, it's like this kind of alternate story that's kind of linked in. Um, I just found it really, really interesting because it's very technical and very sciencey, but it also is exploring very many controversial human issues. 
So I thought it was really cool. That sounds really good. Yeah. It was, re- I did not expect it to be as good as it was. Um, your mentioning of cyborgs reminded me of one of my favorite YA series of um, mm-hmm. science fiction, which is the Lunar Chronicles. Oh, yeah. By Marissa Meyer, which are, uh, start Cinder is the first one and it's Cyborg Cinderella. Nice. I loved it. I lo- I read it. <laughs> you whole... recommended it to me last time. Yeah. I read it and I was, I really uh, did like it. I just started so listening good. to that yeah. last night. Did you really? You not, Do yeah. you like it? Already. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. It's so good. The whole series is so good. And I love fairy tales. Uh, and I love fairy tale retellings in unique ways. And this definitely did it with how many different fairy tales she pulls in and, and the twists she puts on them. Fairy tale retellings yeah. are the best. So I'm glad you... I'm glad that makes me happy that she started listening. That's funny that she started listening to that. <laughs> yeah. uh, good stuff. Have you, has anyone listened to uh, any of the John Scalzi or read the Old Man's War series? No, but he was on our podcast a while back. You're missing out. He's yeah. a fantastic, uh, a good, accessible sci-fi. Also, like, some dark and hard things, but really funny, too. So good. Highly recommended. Old Man's War. Too many books in my I know, there's so many. So the premise of Old Man's War is that all of the young people are busy living life on Earth, but instead of retiring or just dying, uh, senior citizens can go to outer space and join the Colonial Defense Force, Mm -hmm. where they get all kinds of uh, drugs and gene treatments, and they go live for, you know, 10 or 20 or 100 more years serving us, uh, serving the needs of Earth out in the universe. I feel like that's something so. my grandfather would jump on. It's really well done. <laughs> yeah, I liked it. So are there any books? I know we mentioned Andy Weir. Um, are there any other books coming out in the near future that everyone's looking forward to? Anything? No? Not particularly. No? Just that Providence one from yeah. Anne Lackey mm-hmm. coming out in a couple months. Um, I've got some things that came recently that are kind of filling up my list. Okay, but, you sure, know, go right ahead. Uh, Waking Gods by Sylvain mm. Nouvelle. That sounds very sequel to oh. Sleeping Giants. I can picture the cover. Yeah, yeah, it's a very distinctive cover. I like it. It is a very distinctive. It's been on my list for a while. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, someone pitched it to me as being like The Martian in sort of the way the story is told. It's almost like reading from a diary in a, in a, a way. Uh, so that one was pretty good. I like that one. Uh, and another plug for Scalzi. Uh, he's got a new epic sci-fi sort of bigger scale uh, series coming out, or or that's recently the first book has come out, The Collapsing Empire. So that's high on my list. Yeah. Yeah, um, Louise Erdrich actually has a book coming out. It's not labeled as science fiction, but it seems like it's very dystopian. And that one comes out in November, and it's called uh, Future Home of the Living God. And it takes place, you know, in an undetermined future, dystopian society, and there's some sort of an issue with uh, pregnant women where they're giving birth to, like, almost a new species. And, you know, the government is trying to corral all the pregnant women in one place, and there's, you know, you get um, rewards for turning pregnant women on the run in and things like that. So, it, yeah, <laughs> it, it, it kind of reminds, it seems like it might be like the Handmaid's, the Handmaid's Tale a little bit. So that one's coming out in November. I'm not sure if it's going to be sci-fi per se, but we mentioned dystopian stuff earlier. So that's what I'm looking forward to. It's and so she is a, an amazing writer. So I'm excited. This is 
to my knowledge, the first anything of this nature that she's done. You know, she's usually just purely literary fiction, you know, in our normal world as we know it, if you will. She might have written a, nothing I'm familiar with, though, so I'm excited to see her dive into this new area. I'm, I wonder if, I mean, the description on Overdrive describes it as dystopian, but I wonder if it's because of her other books that there's sort of a, a hesitancy to label it as science fiction. Yeah. You know? Yeah, not I don't want to people put, to not read it. Right. Because I think, oh, I don't read science fiction, but I like Louise Erdrich, right. so it might be yeah. a good crossover. Yeah. And she's such a beautiful writer. I, lo- I could read her books all day. So, yeah, lots of good books coming out. Well, thanks, everyone, for coming on the podcast, talking sci-fi with me today. Thanks for having me. Of course. Thank you. Thanks, Jill. It's good to be back. It's always fun to sit and talk about mm-hmm. books. Could do yeah. <laughs> we'll have to have you all back. So, uh, thanks, everybody, and happy reading. Bye. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from Overdrive.com, and our library friends can add these titles to their collections and marketplace. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.